Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Morning, Father, and happy Tuesday. Tuesday morning homilist. Tuesday morning homilist. There we go. Are, have we recovered from the long weekend? Uh, Do we ever recover from a long weekend? And no, it, it, it was nice a, and relaxing. But is. you know, happy New Year to all our Jewish brothers and sisters. There you, you go. Never know. We, I, I know. Actually, I do have a Jewish listener, and um, I'm trying to remember the words in Hebrew. But um, happy New Year to them. Today's Rosh Hashanah. So there we go. I think I know it, but I'm not going to try it and and butcher it and insult anyone in the process. So. It's uh, Lashana Tova. Right, yeah, that's, that's what I thought it was. I just, I wasn't going to... Having gone to public schools, I should know this. Everybody, all the kids have, a, <laughs> all, all the public school kids have a five-day uh, five weekend. That's so. right. But no, it was a great long weekend. We had we had fun, and it was an incredible homily. And, and uh, I, you know, it was a very personal homily for me on, on Sunday and a great reading of Healing on the Deaf Man. And uh, we'll get into that this morning along with other things. But uh, But yeah. So where where do we start? Like, there's a this is one of those readings that there's the the gospel in particular, and we can get into the other other readings if we have time for it. But the gospel in particular, you know, you've got this this deaf man with a speech impediment, and what's always uh, stood out to me is it's not him who's asking for healing. It's it's the the disciples who bring him to the Lord, and and beg the, the gospel literally says they begged him to heal him. Uh, so it's it's the community asking the Lord to, to heal this person, but and obviously the Lord listens to the, to to their cry and to their plea. But it's not the the man himself with the speech impediment who's asking for healing. And and you talked a little bit about that mm-hmm. and, and had a brilliant connection. Right. Um, um, yeah, you see it so many times. You think of the people, the the four friends of the paralytic who brought the paralytic through the roof to to have the Lord heal him. And here you have again. They, 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 there's so many details that they say Mark gives us here. It's a gem of a reading. People brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hands on him. Now, Jesus took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ear and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Ephetha, that is, be opened. And immediately... The man's ears were open, his speech impediment was removed, and he spoke plainly. Now, obviously at the time, you know, anyone who had a disability, anybody who had, was paralyzed, was, was blind, was deaf, had leprosy, any of the many diseases that Jesus cured, were people thought that it was because of their sin. <clears throat> that was very pronounced. So, you know, it was beautiful of their friends wanting to, for them to be made whole, to be made clean. Now, the connection that I made, and this is from my experience with a sister who is a sign language interpreter, is having interacted with deaf kids, actually both of us from our, from our youth, because we went to a, a public school that had a, an annex for the disabled, for children in wheelchairs, for children with Downs, for children who, who were deaf. And, it, we, and we always interacted several times a year. And it was there that my sister, you know, at a very early age, 
got the vocation to want to help these children, to want to, you know, be the eyes and ears, you know, and, and, tra and to bring the world to these children who are deaf. So having seen my sister for almost 20 years deal with this in the public school system, and my sister, God bless her, always frustrated when, especially, here, here, here's a story, and you have two children, and you wouldn't, you know, see how you react to this. How many, he's, she's always frustrated at how many parents having a deaf child don't want to learn sign language. Imagine that, if you... When you mentioned that, I was just like, what? Yeah. Like, it's like... That's, that's your only... God forbid Lexi or MJ were, were deaf. You and, and Angie probably would have been submersed by Absolutely. now. I would memorize. In, in I would totally. have learned it in a, in a day if I could. So, yeah. So just to be able to communicate. And, and it frustrates her. Now, she did share with me about a mother who did, you know, submerge herself in that. And, and one of the few. But especially among Hispanic families. Like, I don't know, there's something, you know, something wrong with them. You, you, you translate. Right. But how could you? You know, yes, there's a lot of things that we could communicate, like, you know, without... You know, without uh, using sign the formal language. sign language, right? Right, but to be able to just tell, you know, to talk to somebody, it is, it is, it is an incredibly beautiful language. Now, I I preface the homily by by mentioning two movies that I've seen this year that I highly recommend. One of them was nominated for an Oscar, it came out earlier this year, called The Sound of Metal. It's on Amazon Prime, and if you have Amazon Prime, you could stream it for free. Uh, it's called The Sound of Metal. It's about a young man in his twenties that. Uh, starts going deaf. He's a drummer for a heavy metal band. His girlfriend, is, if I recall correctly, his girlfriend is a lead singer. And, uh, you know, he starts going deaf. And then all of a sudden he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, you're going to go be totally deaf, you know, by this amount of time. And he starts losing all his hearing. And so now he has to make the choice and they, they have, there's a, a camp or, or, or a commune that he goes to that is led by a Christian pastor who you know, brings people in to assimilate them into the deaf community. And, and it is a beautiful community, but he's going through this, do I want this right. or do I want to go back or get ocular implants, which is totally like not kosher with the deaf community because they have such a beautiful culture. And, and I say that it's a culture, it's a language. There is a beauty, there is an artistry to their language. That was the first movie. And I won't go, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I won't go into how that ends. The second movie I saw Saturday morning, I've been wanting to see it since it came out two, uh, two, two or three weeks ago. I wanted to see it with my sister, but we haven't had time to see each other. It's called CODA, C-O-D-A, and it's, uh, it has a, 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 a wordplay, because CODA, you think about music. Music, right? Right, and then, but it's also an acronym for children of deaf adults, and it's about this family. Mother and dad are deaf. The oldest son is deaf, but the youngest daughter, who was 17, was born with being able to hear and she and here's what's fascinating. She grew up not being able to talk correctly because she grew up learning, right. you know, in a, a nonverbal environment, right? right. A nonverbal environment, uh, you know, learning sign language and, and speaking sign language with her parents and her brother. And so, and she admits that. I go when I people would make fun of me when I was in kindergarten because I spoke funny because it took her a while to be able to speak, you know, like you and I are speaking right, right. now. And so, the beauty of that movie is. You see the family dynamic. They're, they're fishermen up in New England. They go out at 3 o'clock in the morning. This girl goes out and has to be the ears of her brother and her father to be able to hear the CB radio, to be able to hear if there's a Coast Guard nearby, to be able to hear whatever it is that needs to be heard, and then go to school. But she falls in love with music and has a beautiful voice and gets, uh, 
and, and gets the opportunity to audition for the Berkeley School of Music in, nice. in Boston. And, and so all the dynamic that goes in, it is a masterpiece of a movie that delves you in. And I mentioned this during the homily, both movies, the way, like, I, I see the mixer in front of you, uh, the way that the directors and the sound editors use and don't use sound to put us and to submerse us into the world of the deaf is just masterful. And for me, it gave me even deeper insight into the gospel. And here is the, the line that I, that I think that everybody goes, huh? And here was, here was the line. The deaf don't need to be healed. And they, that's something that they firmly believe in. And, and, I, and I remember I, I, on Thursday, I sent a, a copy of this, of this gospel to my sister, and I asked her, how do you think this gospel would be received in the deaf community? And, and she returned, she was in her car speaking on Siri because she had uh, the kids in the car. And so she says, I, I, I said to her, not only from watching these movies, but I, I've learned this from you. He goes, the deaf don't need to be healed. She goes, correct. The ones that want them healed is everyone else. They want them fixed and in turn hurt them more by not accepting it right away, hurt them by not learning their language and losing time for them to be part of this world and are behind in everything else because they never are accepted by their loved ones. To our, to our point earlier, something is wrong with my child. Right. So then she went on to say, you know, there were the deaf ones talk so much in this world. They do. You see that in CODA. They are very expressive in the way that they communicate, in the way that they talk to each other. And they grasp the world, and you could apply the same thing to the blind. They grasp the world differently than we do, but it's a different horizon. If you want to use the philosophical terms you heard in seminary, a different horizon from where we see the world and or hear the world. And it's totally different. And what's to say that's, that's not the way God intended it for them right. to be able to experience it? What, whatever, quote-unquote, disability somebody may have. Like, for example, my nephew's autistic, my sister's son, the youngest son. And I always say he sees the world so differently. He's, he, he, he's about to turn 10 years old. He sees the world so differently because every day he wakes up, he goes, this is going to be the best day ever. You know, I woke up this morning, I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get up. <laughs> you know, and I woke up, you know, right. lawnmowers and things like that, and I'm like, eh, but he wakes up and it's the best day ever. And so it's about seeing the world, hearing the world through these people. And so the point that I made in Sunday's homily was, you know, it's not Jesus, you know, just healing the, the deaf man with the speech impediment, it's him putting his fingers into our ears, and that's what we'll get about this, get into this morning more deeply. Him putting his fingers in our ears and say, effort, I'm putting his finger on our tongue, saying, be open so that we can hear the word of God more clearly and to be able to not have the impediment in our speech to be able to proclaim that word. See, the deaf may hear God just fine. Right. We're the ones that have so many voices in the world that are, that are you know, speaking to us that we don't have the same luxury right. that deaf people have. Yeah, you know, I think this is one of those gospels that we listen to and, and is easy to almost write off in a sense mm -hmm. because we just see it at, you know, if, if we are not... Just another miracle. Right, right. It's just another physical healing and, okay, it doesn't really uh, speak to me because I don't need, uh, you know, I can hear, I can speak plainly. I, you know, I, I don't belong to that world. So, okay, yeah, Jesus healed someone 
and he did it quietly and he told everyone, you know, don't be, be quiet about this, don't make a big deal, and, and they moved on with their life. Uh, but really, if we look at this gospel, as we've been saying, we have to look at it in context, right? So, so the world today is much different than the world this deaf man lived in, in, mm -hmm. in which, you know, having, uh, you know, being deaf and, and having a speech impediment was looked down upon. You know, they were, they were outcasts, that, and, and we really see that in uh, the second reading. It speaks to that, you know, if, if, uh, if someone in fine clothes comes in and, and we give them all the attention, but someone in ragged clothes comes in and, and we say, you know, you over there, you know, go hide in the corner and you don't get you to had, sit with us. You had an experience with that watching Mass on Sunday, somebody coming in. Yeah, so the, um, you know, we, we, we pan out the camera for the processional, uh, and as, as Lewis is giving the introduction, you know, there's, uh, there's a young man walking up the center aisle, you know, Mass hasn't obviously started yet. He's in flip-flops. But he's in flip-flops, a tank top, a, a backwards hat, uh, you know, just, it, it surprised me. I'm like, what is this kid doing? And, and literally walking up the center aisle. And you could tell that someone says something to him because he turns and I guess they're telling him to, you know, get out of the, get out of the center aisle. The music starts and he's still, you know, making his way up, right up the middle. Uh, ends up turning left into the second pew right up front uh, as... The, the entrance processional actually uh, comes on screen. Um, and I lost track of him at that point because obviously the camera zooms in. Uh, but it was it was striking because here's, you know, everyone in their Sunday best and then this kid's walking in. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, try to quote unquote. <laughs> it is summer, Labor Day weekend, yeah. right? Uh, but th here's this kid in, in a tank top and a backwards hat and, and flip-flops and, you know, Kid, you're at the you're at the wrong place. I think you're trying to find the beach, and and you wandered into a church, based on how he was dressed. So mm -hmm. I don't know how he was received. How he no no no, but I was ready for that because he was literally right near, near me. He was in my line of sight. Right. And usually, you know, if I see somebody wearing a hat, yeah. a, a male wearing a hat, uh, it's socially acceptable for women to do it. But I would just I would tap my head or right. make a motion like you know. I'm like like saying language yep. to take your head off, and I'm wearing a cap right now. But you know, I would usually say that. But I was like, oh, there's something about him. I go, let me leave him alone, because you never know why someone walks into a church. And I think that's St. James' point for sure. You never know what's going on in their head. You never know what what's happening. You never know what kind of pain they're bringing to the altar. And I'm saying, I'm leaving him alone. And if it bothers anybody, you know, listen. Initially, yes, it bothers me. You're in the house of the Lord. For you sure. take your hat off. For sure. You know, Bishop Dooney used to say the joke. He goes, now I'm, when he was made a bishop in, in 2005, you know, I have to wear a hat in church. My mother always said, you never wear a hat in church, but bishops wear a hat in church. <laughs> you know, so, but, so I'm looking at this young man and I'm saying, I'm going to leave him alone. And really, just, not that I didn't pay attention to him, it was just like, just blended in to the rest of my congregation right. on Sunday morning. And when I and I noticed when I came down to to distribute communion, he walked away and left. And who knows? I always say you never know when the Lord sends an angel, for sure. you know, and to just be among us, you know. It's and it's it is something that I am proud of our community that didn't they didn't say anything. He was he was st sitting right behind one of our Eucharistic ministers and 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 really not social distancing much, but. No one, no one d dared say anything to him. And it, like I said, it really, we, we spoke about it last time with some friends we were having dinner with that were there. 
that that was a second reading in a nutshell. Now, to, go, to, to connect that to, this, to the gospel, you know, every single one of the people who are sick, quote unquote, or are, have a disability, or anything, those are outcasts. You know, according to Jewish law, something happened right. in their life or in their ancestors' life that right. made them cursed. And so that's why they bring him for healing. Right. Now, obviously, seeing it now in the 21st century and seeing this incredible community and in the Archdiocese of Miami going back into the 70s, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, of the late, great Father Jim Vitucci, who was the pastor of St. Maximilian Kobe and the head of Schatz, uh, the Schatz Center in, in, in Broward. You know, he was told by Archbishop Carroll, you're in charge of, of, of the deaf and disabled. And he's like, well, what do I do? He didn't know American Sign Language, and he had right. to learn it. And I've seen priests who are able to say Mass and to sign the Mass. Absolutely beautiful. I've seen people, you know, interpret the Mass while Mass is going on. It's never happened to me. I was very close to asking my sister to do it to give, give a bit of bigger effect to my homily. Right. I don't think it needed bigger effect, but I said... I, said I told not, you that would, that would have been pretty sweet, though. It was, but I think I would have lost it, because, you know, here's me and my sister trying, uh, my sister and I trying to, to, to preach the Word of God, and I would have lost it, because I'm a sap for those things. And, you know, and I think, it, you know, it was fine. And, a, and a, 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 just a quick note, on I'm not fluent in American Sign Language at all, but the few signs that I do know, and, or that I've seen that I'm familiar with, there's there's a lot of Christian symbolism mm -hmm. in in the signs themselves. The sign for Jesus is pointing to twice. He's pointing to your right palm and then to your left palm, and it's symbolized the crucifixion, that where where the nails went. Right. But even, it, even something like good and bad, you know, where where good is just you know from you, your <clears throat> palm from your mouth to your to your other hand straight down, you know, and mm -hmm. and, and just the symbolism of God. God spoke something into being, and it's good. And then the flip side of that is evil, where you know God speaks, and I know you can't see us doing this, but uh, your your palm comes from your mouth, and then you turn it upside down. Mm -hmm. uh, so God made something good, and then God made something. You know, the word for e the sign for evil is mm -hmm. that gets twisted, that gets turned around. Uh, so you know, symbol for pre I used. It. I don't think you know. You, yeah, just a little collar you, on the you, neck. You literally you, you trace <laughs> you trace a collar across your neck is the symbol for for priest. Uh, and it, and it, and it's 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 beautiful the way that they do that. Um, what was remarkable about this movie is that all three of the actors were deaf. Oh well, wow. are deaf. Are deaf. Yeah. And uh, and and that was what made it so powerful. And and you knew that going in. Uh, at least I knew that going in. The young girl, I did not know this going in. The young girl who played the the daughter, she spent nine months. You were talking about how fast she would learn if your kid was deaf. She spent nine months, you know, learning American Sign Language, wow. and she did it brilliantly. That's I awesome. mean, she just now. I'm waiting to watch it with my sister so she could critique this girl performance <laughs> in terms of because everything else she did was great and had a great. Because listen, they probably would have wanted a deaf actor, but they needed somebody who what could act, could sing, could um, you know, could do could do all these things. Yep. So uh, it, it is absolutely beautiful. It is a remake of a French film, and the French film was criticized because they didn't have deaf actors. And so it was, that, that was what's so brilliant. So when I was speaking to, to the congregation on, on, on Sunday, you know, for whatever reason, there was a silence that more was, More so than usual. More so, yeah, because... And, that, and I will say that came across on the, on the stream as well. Right. It, it, it was more so than usual. And then at, at one point, and, you know, and... Because of the children, George and Angie had to see it from from home, and, and they caught it as well. So they had a, a, a different view of, of the mass. Was that 
at one point as I'm trying to, let's say, bring the people into the world of this deaf man, I start, you know, I can't do it now because we're on a podcast, but I start mouthing the words of my homily in silence. Not that I was just moving my lips. I was actually preaching, you know, very slowly so that anybody who could read lips could read my lips. And, you know, and the deacon said, told me after my father, I thought that your microphone had <laughs> gone out. I go, if the microphone had gone out, you would have, you were sitting 20 feet from me, you would have right. heard me. Uh, you know, you thought that something had gone on with the audio. I was, the I was about ready to pull out the laptop. And, yeah, and, you thought, but, and then, and then I finish by, you know, saying in American Sign Language, Jesus loves you. Love is just putting, right. you know, it's just it's, it's just putting both both your arms crossed over your chest, and it's 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 like saying I'm embraced. Mm-hmm. You know, it it is it is so beautiful how it is communicated and so effective. And I wanted I was and I was very tempted, but I didn't want to make it gimmicky for saying you know what I'm going to say the rest of the mass, celebrate the rest of the mass in silence, and and tell Lu- and told Lewis and Rosa take the rest of the mass <laughs> off. It's like. But I was like, no, you know, I, I didn't, again, I didn't want it to be gimmicky. I didn't want to be, dis- I didn't want to be disrespect- disrespectful because when you are in silence, when you, and, and that's another point that I was making is that we're, f- we're afraid, we're uncomfortable with silence. And, and I was looking at the people and I'm, and after those 30 to 45 seconds that I was preaching, just mouthing my words in silence, you could tell people like, we're going, eh, like what's going on? They were uncomfortable. I go, we need to be comfortable in silence. That's how we hear the word of God, listen to the word of God more effectively. Yeah, we could hear it, two, diff- two very different words. Here, yes, we hear yeah. a lot of things. Listening means comprehending. Right. Listening means obeying. Listening p- means putting it into action. Yeah, and I think that's where, what I said earlier, this gospel is one that we're, we're it's, it's quick and easy to kind of write off as just, okay, Jesus healed somebody, great, that doesn't really speak to me. But what are those areas in our life where yeah we can we can hear but we can't listen we can we can speak but we're not you know we can physically speak but we're not saying anything you know where where are those areas in our in our spiritual life in not even our spiritual life in in our actual life you know where the lord needs to come and and open our ears and open our mouth and and allow us you know to be vehicles for his grace in this world and that's exactly what each and every one, need, any, every one of us needs to pray for, that the Lord open our ears. We say this at the end of the bapt, almost at the end of the baptismal rite to the child. It's called the ephetha rite. We, we, the deacon or the priest will trace the sign of the cross on the child's ears and then on their mouth to say, may the word of God be, you know, we soon receive the word of God through your ears to be able to proclaim it with your mouth. And that's what we hope for everybody, because so many times we fail to do that. We fail to to listen because we are so distracted and so concerned with other voices than the voice of our God. We've talked about it before, you know, that so many of us live in the echo chamber of social media or in the echo chamber of Fox News or in the echo chamber of MSNBC, wherever it is that you, you know, it strikes your fancy. And we don't go out of that echo chamber. Right. We don't escape that echo chamber. And we spend more time doing that than praying. We spend more time listening to other voices and other talking heads than 
listening to the voices who may bring us closer to Jesus. Like, for example, if we were Italian, we would, have, we would be able to hear and understand the Pope's Angelus right. words every Sunday and hear it in standard language. You know, the other day, and it's something I'm writing about in the bulletin this weekend, I listened to a speech that the Pope gave at World Youth Day in 2013, and hearing him, this he was newly elected, hearing him speak, whenever, whenever uh, you hear Pope Francis speak Spanish, which you and I perfectly understand, yep. it's like he's a different, different preacher. Okay. Now, I, I mean, again, I don't know how he preaches or how it comes off for Italians when he's preaching in Italian, which is how he normally preaches, right. but, he, but you didn't tell him his mannerisms. He grew up speaking Italian like you and I grew, grew up speaking Spanish because his grandmother was Italian. So, but I remember that when he spoke to the, the, the Argentinian young people in, Ar in Argentina, and then I think it was a year after that, and I was listening to this on Radio Paz, driving out to the West Coast, and thankfully Radio Paz has a big enough single, uh, signal that, that I heard a, a, a homily he gave in Ecuador about the wedding at Cana, which was just magnificent. You could hear the inflection in his, in his voice were different. Why? So these are the voices we need to be listening to. When you hear a Bishop Barron, you know, preach, when you hear, you know, this morning I was watching, you know, Cardinal um, Dolan wishing, the, you know, the Jewish community in New York a happy right. new year, you know, and, and, and the little tours he's given of, of, of small New York historical churches. You hear these voices, these joy, joy, voices of joy that bring the good news. How, how beautiful those who bring the good news of the Lord, the, the scripture says. These are the voices we need to be listening to because we spend so much time listening to whatever fits our agenda and whatever we agree with instead of saying, I'm going to listen to God. And yeah. yes, there's going to be sometimes God will, God will tell us things we do not oh, agree with. Sure. More, and, more often than not. And things that will challenge us <laughs> yeah. and things that will prompt us and challenge us to change. But we don't want to do that. We want to live in our little world where everybody agrees with me, where I agree with everything they say. And those voices take over. And that's where we need to say, no, 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 Lord. Put your fingers in my ears. Ephetha, be open. That's what we need. Amen to that. I was uh, Just before we wrap up this section, we... we as I've said before, we, we turn on the news every morning while, we, while we're getting the kids ready for school and, and getting everything ready for the workday. And, of course, today the, the news comes out and, you know, it's Tuesday after a long weekend and you think, okay, great, it's going to be a, a, a good week, short week, and, and the news comes on and says, oh, you know, Delta is declining, but there's a new variant and, and it's the worst is yet to come. And I go, oh, here we go again, you know, and... and <laughs> like really, we've been we've been listening to the same line for a year and a half. You know, the worst is yet to come. The worst is yet to come. There's another, there's another surge coming. There's another variant coming, and oh my goodness, we couldn't have muted the TV fast enough because you know, we recognize it. Like we're getting sucked into the into the into the you know the fear mongering again and and the poison of that. You know, and, and thankfully, you know, Angie Angie recognized and. and just turned it, you know, mm -hmm. turned it down. Yeah, but to your point, you know, it's so easy to, to flip on the news and, and just have that feed us all day long, you know, but, but how often do we go out of our way to, to listen to something uplifting, you know, to listen to something positive, to listen to something joyful. To, something like this. Yeah, no. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you mentioned Dolan and you mentioned, uh, Baron and, and Pope Father Francis. Mike Schmidt, and, you know, he's, he's got a great podcast. Yeah, number, and, one, and number one in religion. They are 
excellent, excellent preachers, and they do so with authentic joy. You know, you almost you have you can't help but have a, a good time listening to them, uh, even if you don't agree with hundred percent with what they're saying. But but you can just tell that they're so invested in what they're doing. They're so invested in it, they believe what they're saying. It's not just you know reading a teleprompter. It's you know this is this is part of my being. We have no teleprompters in here. No, we don't. It's, <laughs> if if you thought we were off a teleprompter, no. <laughs> um, you know, but but there's just this authentic joy that comes from them, you know. And, and how often do we seek out people like that in our lives? And we and we need to seek and we need to seek more. Uh, we need to seek more of that in our lives. You know, I stopped watching the news when the, the pandemic started. Uh, I would good call. I would I would uh, and I would watch the evening news every night at six thirty religiously. You know, whether it was at six thirty or later on, I would record it and watch it before I went to bed just to see. You know. See what was going on in the world, but everything became so much about this. I go, I, I don't need this. So I go on, and how do I get any news? I look up a couple of sites, right. and both from both extremes, right? Or from some and it was very few in the middle, but and I, and I five minutes, and then not only that, you and I were talking about social media. I think yesterday or the day before, uh, I had to go in. I posted something about Mother Teresa on her on her feast day on Sunday, and I realized I, I had posted it twice, but and. and it, Posts on our Facebook and on our Instagram, and I deactivated my Instagram back in February, right before Lent started. Haven't reactivated it, and so I had to go in, and I thought I was going into the church account and logged me into my my personal. my personal account, which is gone because people would message me there. And I remember making a comment to you. I go, okay, I, I went on back on Instagram, and realized what a wasteland. You made a comment it was you know something along those lines yep. that it was just a wasteland of. Uselessness it used to be like okay pictures and stuff like that, but it's become more than that. Oh. It's it's us. It, it's voyeurism at its best, and we and I realize, go to your phone if you know how to you, you use this feature. Go to your phone, and there's a feature that says how, a screen time, how much time you spend on a part on a particular app. app. Right. And I remember one time last year I went on there. Remember we had a lot of downtime during during the lockdown, and I would see. How much time I spend on specific apps, mainly social media apps, Facebook, Twitter, Facebook, I've, I have barely used for two years. The only reason I have it is because I'd be able to connect to the church account. But, but on Instagram, on Twitter, Twitter's my next Everest to be able to get excise that from my life. I enjoy it while watching a football game and seeing all sports commentators and friends, you know, tweeting about it. But the rest of the day, it's just like, uh, it's it's something that is not needed. Right. And so, whereas there are so many good prayer apps out there, and which, you know, maybe another day we'll, we'll talk about it, but things that will inspire us. For sure. When I saw that I had spent more time on Twitter one day than I did on my breviary app, where I pray the office, I'm like, okay, there's, there's a problem. You know, it's to say, I, I know, it's not gonna, I don't spend 20 minutes praying Vespers. Well, maybe I need to read them a little slower. Maybe For I need sure. to pray them. Let me correct myself. A little better, okay. Uh, these are the things that we need to, you know, maybe it's because it, it's like saying it's a fake world, right? Like for example, to, we always but, say, but to, that's but that's where we that's where we turn in prayer to Jesus and say, you know, spit in your fingers and and stick your 
and, and it, it's very raw. It is very raw. When when you read that, you you almost have I that guess. sense of like yeah. gross, like you know. But but spit in the mud and and mix that around and grab that nasty grimy mud and stick it in my ears or stick it in my mouth and and efata, you know, be open and mm -hmm. and kind of it. The rawness kind of shakes you out of, you know, the the complacency or the it just it it. You have no choice but to react because it's almost so disgusting and nasty. You know, this, this picture of Jesus spitting and, and making mud and, and taking that mud and, and... Yeah, and that's what we need in our lives. But do you agree with my assessment? And it's not my assessment. It's, it's pretty much a universal assessment that the world of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, now Snapchat for the young people, or, and, and, and now TikTok. TikTok. I went on yeah. for two seconds. I go, nope, nope, nope. Needed it for something else and took it off. It's a fake world. Absolutely. It's a voyeuristic world. And what we put out there, look at me. It's not real. It's, it's, it's not the real. good stuff. And, and, and more often than not, I'm not criticizing anybody. When the people that are trying to be, the, I, this, this word has yeah. come into play a lot the last two years, influencers, mm -hmm. you know, it's all fake. And sometimes when they're projecting this, joy, you know, like self-help gurus, there's, they're masking something behind Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know, so, you know, don't listen to them. I mean, yeah, some of them may have some interesting things to say, but when you have the Word of God, when you have the Scriptures, when you have nope. the Eucharist to be able nope. to sit down in silence in a chapel or in our church to be able to and say, speak, your, speak Lord, your servant is listening. You could be perfect, a person with perfectly good hearing or a person who's totally deaf nope. and sit in the silence of a church and the two of you could hear the same thing. That's the power of this weekend's gospel. Is that we are able to hear the word of God the same way because he speaks to us in the same way through silence. And sometimes we're afraid of that silence and think, God isn't speaking to me. Talk to Mother Teresa who experienced that in the last couple of decades of her life and still is the same. Yep. All of us are called to be that way. All of us are called to listen in the same manner by drowning out the, the voices of the world, having our ears be opened and our mouth unleashed to proclaim the good news of the Lord without the speech impediment that we all have, kind of like the deaf man, that we all have to be able to proclaim that word to others. So my friends, let's do that. Let's ask the Lord to put his fingers in our ears, put his finger on our tongue. We may hear his word and proclaim it without impediment. But to do that, we have to drown out the voices of the world that do not allow us to listen clearly to the word of our Savior. Yes! Yes! The you! The you! The you! The you! running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's yeah, a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. What was that last night? Do we have to relive Saturday? Um, we don't have to. You you want to. Well, no, I, we should. I don't. No, but I mean, <laughs> was, oh, my goodness. Here, here's the thing about the UM game against Alabama on Saturday. You know, all last week people were putting up these hype videos and a friend of mine sent me this thing that somebody did on a podcast. It was like 10 minutes long. Imagine us doing a 10 minute long episode. 
uh, that was, you know, basically, you know, hype and, you know, and, and it's all wonderful. It's all great. It hypes you up, it's, but it's all history. Yeah. It's all, oh, look what happened this year is uh, 20 and, years. And Manny Diaz is the master of hype. It is. And he's the master of the off that's, season. That's but true. then, but then the season hits and. But I'm saying all that hype, listen, this year is the 20th anniversary of the national champ, the greatest college football team of all time. And we haven't done anything since. No, and here's and here's the thing. Even at our apex, was our program ever at the level that Alabama has been, is, is right now? Not even close. I mean, yes, we would blow people out. And that year, I was there when we blew out a ranked Syracuse that had Dwight Freeney on there on the line and Brian McKinney shut him down. I was there when we took our revenge on Washington and blew them out of the Orange Bowl. Uh... Boston College was the only like hiccup in that sky. No, but Virginia Tech gave us a yeah. fits up in, in Blacksburg, but pretty much a whole year, yeah, we blew people out. Um, but I don't think that we were ever ever at a level, and people will fight me to this on this. And I was thinking about that this morning, that we were ever at a level that 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 every you know you you would look at it, and yes, we had pro pro talent on our teams. But that we would just churn out year after year because we're now going into Nick Saban became coach of Alabama in 2008. I'm the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I am not going to be. And when does the, he retire? The, the head coach of Alabama. He said that. Uh, not soon enough because that's going to keep churning and churning. Well, they, they churning. were they they used the phrase plug and play. No, and and they ad used to nauseum use, they, and. That I mean, and they used to use that for new Miami. quarterback, new running backs, new wide receivers, new offensive it's, coordinator, it's, it's, and they didn't even look like no. You, it, they it, skipped it, a beat. But they used to use that for Miami. We don't rebuild, we reload, and and that used to be the case. But it's twenty years, and so your brother and I, we, we all watched the game together on Saturday. Your brother and I were right before the game. You were like, "Oh, you were you were screaming out, 45 minutes of kickoff, thirty minutes yeah. of kickoff." You're like the town crier. And I it's was exciting like, to have football back. I it, was just hoping. It, it's great. I was hoping for competitiveness. Right. And they just looked lost. So here's what happens. I wrote down two questions before we started doing the podcast this morning. Number one, did we have an offensive game plan? No, that's what I'm saying. They came out and they looked like they had no idea what they were doing. And the first drive, third and seven drop. The first drive. They got a first down on the first drive. <laughs> yeah, hey. but, but the first drive should be script you. Scripted, you yeah. had eight plus months to prepare for this, knowing yeah. that Nick Saban had also had oh, eight yeah. plus months. So, so you have to show your something first different. First drive should come out like bang, 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 bang. You've got your Efficiency. your eight, nine plays lined like up. Alabama's did. Yes, and they came out, and I was like, "What are they doing?" And they were do they were running the same plays they played in the yeah. cheese it the cheese it bowl. bowl against, let's, against let's run right up the middle into a solid wall. Yeah, and, and that is a, a solid wall. It's not Oklahoma <laughs> State we were playing. Yeah. And you're looking at that, and you're and you and you're seeing the bubble screens. And I and I saw something the other day that I you know in the I was saying in the first segment that I, I don't use Facebook. The only time I use Facebook is maybe to go in very briefly, two minutes, and and look at the memories. It's, you know, oh look what an idiot I was eight years ago. Tw you know, tweeting that. Oh no, I don't. I like avoid the, I avoid the memory <laughs> section. No, sometimes it's fun, but you know, and I put something there, and I said something. I loathe the bubble screen. Yeah. The bubble screen is masking that your offensive line doesn't work. Yep. And so, and I don't know, your brother and I looked at each other during a bubble screen, and I think they, they didn't do it that often, but we're like, we're, again, we're back to this. Uh, you know what? There were glimmers of hope. Uh, the, that drive that we that was stalled at the, oh, don't get me started on that, that stalled at third and goal and fourth and goal. 
But it was that opening drive of the second half, something like that. And like, and yeah, I was, said, was, I said, I said, this is the ball game right here. If, you don't, if you don't no, punch the ball this game, in, George, the ball game was decided in the first quarter. Yes, Come but, on, but that was that was like it's over. If at least if you punch that in, you know, you you make it a seventeen point game at that point. I mean, Anything can happen. That, the, only, the only people that cared about live in the desert. Yeah. Okay, the, you know our friends in the de- that, those are the only people that yeah. cared. And, he, and, and, and we were, but then I said it. I said, okay, we didn't score. They're gonna get the ball at the six inch line. And I said, it's all right. They're gonna go ninety nine and, and seven eight yards. And you said in two plays, in two it didn't plays, in three. and it took them three. It took them three. <laughs> but but you did see glimpses of hope in their in their slant routes, which you have mastered. Yeah. And we were because we have speed. Yeah. Okay, that was the first question. The second pl- question was, what were we doing on defense? I, I didn't know that uh, Manny Blake Baker Diaz is still oh, the, is still the coordinator. No, it was. It was, was there any difference? No, there were, there were some nuances, but yes, we blitzed a lot, but blitzed on the wrong downs. My father said, "If you're gonna throw the house at him in second down, yeah. and he was in the throwing, do it on third down. Yeah. Get off the field." Yeah. But what were we doing on third down? I have never understood this. I saw this. Were you at the FSU Miami? The last time we beat a number one team was. 21 years ago, FSU Miami, Jeremy Shockey's game at, in, in Jeremy Shockey game. Yep. In the, were you yep. at the game? Yep. I think you were. I remember watching that on TV. We were beating Florida State soundly. Chris Wenke was a quarterback, and Brett uh, Greg Schiano was our was our defensive coordinator. Why did FSU get back into that game? We employed a three man rush and and dropped and dropped everybody. Dropped eight. And I remember watching that with my, uh, either, I don't think I was watching it with my father. Maybe I was, I don't remember. But I remember either him calling me or something, and we were both complaining. I have never seen the effectiveness of the three-man Somebody, you know, listen, I was around defensive coaches, but here's the thing. When I was chaplain, I never talked football with them. Oh, I can show you the effectiveness of it. Yeah, yeah, they, just, they ran down just, the field, yeah. No, here, here's the effectiveness. The three-man rush works uh, against Miami's offense <laughs> because true. they could rush two people against our line and, and still wow. pressure the quarterback. But I always <laughs> wanted to ask them that because it was, it was like, why? You know, you're throwing three men. I know, yes, he's a rookie. He's a freshman quarterback. He's really a sophomore. But, you know, it's first-year quarterback. And we just said, here's the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Four touchdowns. Alabama Center had never done that in his first, in his first, uh, in his first game. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why are we doing that? And then also that zone. You know, we can run with these guys. We have the same speed as these guys. Why the zone? This soft zone that said, I'm going to, you see that pocket over there? I'm going to do a hook into that pocket, throw it to me. Yep. Third and 15, automatic first down. Exactly. There you go. So, uh, turnover chain was a, uh, that was a dud because it was a turnover that wasn't. So the great, there was eventually another turnover, but. You, was it you that said it? Or your brother said it. Just, just get rid of it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Just get rid of it. You said it. That's right. I mean, I've been saying it. Get rid of it. And the touchdown rings, get the rid t- of them. Too, like, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, when Mike Singletary was coach of, um, of the 49ers. He goes, I want winners. I want people who want to win. Yeah. You know, that's all I want. I could care less. Yes, it's nice. It was beautiful during the Notre Dame game. But I go, my goodness. We, it's not going anywhere though, because it when, sells merchandise. When Brent, when when Banny took that 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 interception for a touchdown, yeah, that was it's, all, that it's was been it. all it's, downhill since then. It's been all downhill since then. We need to talk about the Notre Dame Florida State game. We do. That was a great game. That was fantastic. And 
Florida State. And is, I know everyone's going to jump to, oh, Florida State is back and it's going to no. be, comp- you know, my, were, my dad were, said it. it. It was a true home game. Yes. And it's and Miami was a was a textbook case of it. It's easy to get up for Notre Dame in prime time in your home stadium, you know, and, and show up. Yeah. Uh, it was a home game, you know, Bobby Bowden, you know, for you know, first game without him. And they were looked like they had the game was over. They were eighteen points down. Yeah. And Notre Dame is Notre, Notre Dame. Notre Dame is Notre Dame. I said it over, what like two minutes overrate, into the game. Overrate, oh, Notre Dame overrated. Didn't but see thing, that and, and there was no defense. <laughs> no. You know, and it, although, although Notre Dame did make some, they have a great linebacker who's projected to go in the top five. Uh, but it was the emotion and, and, and the story of Mackenzie Milton yeah. coming from UCF. I, that, I mean, I saw that knee surgery when it happened. I mean, that knee, the, that knee, the knee injury. Sorry. If I, I like, hey, surgery, you were in the surgery? I was in oh, the surgery. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, I saw that knee injury when it happened. I was watching that game and it was just gru- Joe Theismann esque gruesome. Uh, and. To see him come back and lead them back, dare I say I was rooting for the Nose towards I, I, the end? I wouldn't have minded. Because uh, here's the thing. Kids that grew up earlier when we were playing Notre Dame consistently, you know, our dislike for Notre Dame is higher than our dislike for Florida because we respect Florida because they want to play us every day. Bobby Bowden made that a point of saying that. They'll put it on our tombstone. Yep. tombstone. He yeah, played Miami. We, we spoke about that, yep. He played Miami. So, But it was a great game. Florida State did show flashes. You know, I think we would have showed flashes also if we played Notre Dame at home. For sure. And we'll see what App State brings this weekend. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think there's a lot of room for improvement, but, but yeah, that side, that's what it is. We're living the same movie. We want us to go further, but, you know, we're stuck on all this hype and all this. And, and listen, turnover chain was great. I think it was a great gimmick that first year when there was a new coaching staff. Yeah. But... You know what? Get wins. You know, put the chain on you when you get a win. You know, if you get a if you get a yep. interception ceiling win, yep. you know, then you bust it like out. you know, I'm thinking Ed Reed. You know, at the end of the BC of game the BC in 2000, yeah. put the chain put the chain <laughs> on him. That that's what yep. I'm talking about. That that's we need wins. Yes, you could still win out. Clemson did not look good against Georgia. No, their defense did. Offense did not. So hmm, Clemson maybe had who knows ACC is a different animal than the ACC totally different animal than the ACC. So great game. It's just great to have college football back. Everything, the camp around we were we saw it live. Camp Randall doing the jump around. Jump around. At the beginning. Yeah, that was that was sweet. Listen, we've always said we love our four fingers. We originated the four fingers. You know, start the fourth quarter. But the camp. I, it sounds like I'm 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 dissing my own football team today, but. The, the Camp Randall thing is a much cooler tradition. Oh, yeah. It really is. You know, and seeing the entire stadium just jump around, it was just, it's just great to see college football back. And now... And now we got, we got a oh, few more minutes here, so you, you, came, you came in your gear today. I came in with my Dolphins hat on because, you know, usually you say, okay, the Canes didn't play well today. Tomorrow we have the Dolphins. We didn't have that this weekend. We're going to have it next weekend. So the Canes are going to do fine. Saturday night, I have confidence. They're going to put things together and blow out App State at home. You heard it here first. We hope. <laughs> you heard it here first. They will blow out App State. It's only an eight-point line. People are thinking, oh, I'm going to – so many people out there are going to pick against Miami. Oh, yeah. I think they will figure it out. They looked like they were starting to figure it out towards the end of the game. 
you know, you wanted to see progress. For sure. So they're yeah, going to blow and, out and upstate. And Manny, there's Manny's coach speak. I said, I said, how much coach speak? Oh, it was Alabama. You know, it's, no, no. They do this to everybody. They're right. He's not wrong. They're, they're, they're at a different level. Yeah. They are at a different yeah. level. You were, we were playing against a professional yeah. football team. Mind you, everybody forgets that just eight months ago when they played their last game against Ohio State, they hung 52 on them. Yeah. They didn't hang 52 on us. They almost did. Could have. They did not. They beat Ohio by 30 points yep. to win the national championship, Ohio State. And Ohio State looked good, not in the first half. In the second half, they looked good. Yep. And they have players for sure that can line up with Alabama, and they still got beat by 30 points. This is a professional football team with a professional football coach who couldn't hack it in the professional football world. But that's another story. So on that note, on let's, that talk, note the let's Dolphins, talk professional football. <laughs> the Dolphins, I mean, Thursday we have Dallas at Tampa Bay. Dolphins on Sunday at 425 kick it off against, I was going to say Cam Newton. Not there. No. Mac Jones, you have two, the last two Alabama quarterbacks. Going at it. Going at it in Foxborough. And I'm excited. To look. You've got the Dolphins. I have the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins go up there. They win. But here's the thing. Just like we were talking about, Nick Saban had eight months to prepare for this game. Uh, Bill Belichick, the schedule came out in May. He's had four months to prepare for this game. So... We didn't show much during the preseason. Everything was pretty vanilla. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I think that our defense is vastly improved. I think that we have a secondary that will cause a lot of problems for Mac Jones. Uh, I don't know what kind of running game New England had. But here's the thing. Kind of the same that we didn't know what New England had going into last year's season open. And they didn't just – it seemed like the game was much more of a blowout. It wasn't. We were about a, a possession and a half away from tying that game. But I think that we go up there and we get the job done. Absolutely. Now, I mean, I've turned, you know, I started off a little negative, Nelly, and I'm like a big homer now. I don't want to end this without talking about soccer because uh, right now we're in international break for World Cup qualifiers. And I preface that by saying Inter Miami on Saturday night. I couldn't believe I was watching a. That was soccer a, game during during football during season, football season. <laughs> but the they won hey, another, a, la, another a last win. minute goal another win on the road. But that was great. But the soccer, we went down to the Salvador in Concacaf. There's no shame getting a draw on the road. On the road, yeah. Okay, uh, but to tie Canada to draw Canada in Nashville, there was a lot of it worries you. And now we got to play Honduras, I believe, on Wednesday night. Uh, Listen, let's put perspective. France, who is the reigning world champion, tied Ukraine and tied, uh, I want to say Bosnia, I, I think was the other one. And so they, 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 the world champions have drawn on their first two uh, qualifying matches as well. Perspective. But it, there's so many things. Uh, Wes McKinney, uh, you know, uh, violated some team rules. They sent him back to Italy. You know, this team needs some, uh, I'm watching them, needs some cohesion. I mean, that, that goal that they gave up, it used to happen to us all the time. Our defense has been stout, and, and, and we saw it over the summer in the Nations League in the Gold Cup, and now it's like, oh, what, what's going on out there? You know, so uh, Pulisic is, was there on, on, uh, was there on, uh, on, on, sat on Saturday. Saturday. Uh, Gio Reyna was not. So we need all the pieces to come together. I don't know what energy they'll have. They have to go down to Honduras and, and win down there, and... From what I've read and, and what I remember, Honduras is almost like an Aztec, Azteca stadium type, oh, well. you know, yep. type venue in terms of hostility and all that stuff. Everybody wants to beat the Americans, of course they do. So, 
we need to come up with three points somehow on Wednesday night. We can't walk. We can't definitely can't lose. No. Nope. I mean, and listen, there's there's 12, 12 games left, but yeah, but you don't want to dig a hole. No, we, we can't. And 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 World Cup qualifying is up and down and up and down and up and down. But we can't miss the World Cup again. We're gonna we're gonna be in it in four years, in, in five years when we have it in, here in the United States. But this they need to figure figure things out. So. Carly, CJ, there was your soccer segment because I was going to hear about it if I didn't. So, football is back. We're excited. And hockey is now 37 days away. Well, wait till about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> wait till about hockey. Basketball is also my. I just, I just wanted the reaction there. What time about hockey? I happened, I happened to see a tweet that said hockey's 38 days away. So I, so I said that no, to you this weekend. You go, what? What I are you was, talking about? Wait about hockey. <laughs> I'm like, no, the Dolphins are back. The Canes are back. I mean, come on. We're we're ready to go. It's like it's like you know why? I mean, I mean, Canes are okay. You know, we didn't have the luxury of playing FAU at home like UF did. Yeah, yeah. But here we go. Here we go. The 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 coastal is coastaling. Let's see how we how bad we coastal this year. Carolina. I mean, against Virginia. I told I told you you were like, oh, North Carolina win that. North Carolina going into Blacksburg opening night on a Friday night. That wasn't a gimme, and they looked bad. They looked. They did so, not look. Uh, what were they ranked? Ten. Yeah. They did not. But look we like... have Virginia Tech here. We have North Carolina on the road. Yeah. We have Florida State on the road. We have Michigan State. Not Sparty. This side. Sparty looked Next, good. Sparty looked decent. You know, not, I mean, that wasn't. It was okay. It wasn't. You know, I wasn't scared. I wasn't. No, yeah. no, but they. But looked, it but... gives you something to think about. But somebody we should beat at home. So, we're getting there, folks. Uh, Great to talk football. You've been waiting. We've been waiting all this stuff. You want to talk about the Marlins? Is baseball still going on? <laughs> baseball's still going on. Uh, the Triple no. A, the Triple A team. Stop, stop. They they played they played well over the weekend. They, they took two or three from the Phillies. Two or so, three from Philly. And the Mets. We have the Mets coming into town tonight. So, okay. uh, folks, we had a great uh, great Tuesday morning on this special edition of Monday Morning Homilist, and and thank you all for joining us. So remember, just place yourself in the presence of the Lord. Ask Him to open your ears, to be able to receive his word, drown out the things of the voices of this world that are not needed in your head, to be able to listen clearly to the voice of our creator. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.